0: Christmas example, we weren't allowed to open prayers until so granny had her do a glass of, of bubbles in the morning. Um, so was always <laughs> what a so what so what of granny. <laughs> I know she, yeah, she was she was quite a granny.
1: Hello and welcome to the X Animo podcast. I'm David Clark. We are in the middle of a government enforced lockdown here in South Africa where the sale and movement of wine is at least for now forbidden. So to keep ourselves busy, we have decided to release a new podcast episode every day during lockdown. A quick note on the quality of the audio, uh, obviously we're in lockdown at the moment in South Africa and therefore we're relying on our internet connection to record these podcasts and it doesn't always behave. We have done what we can with editing uh, in, our, <laughs> in our own uh, incompetent way uh, to make it as listenable as possible. So please uh, forgive any issues. Today on the podcast, we have Melissa Nelson, the lady behind Genevieve, a wine brand that specializes in MCC. Traditional method sparkling wines in South Africa are called Method Cap Classique, which is quite often shortened to the initials MCC. There are production and aging laws surrounding the use of the term, but as of yet, there is no restrictions on the varieties allowed. Based in the Overberg, or Bot River specifically, uh, Melissa is a bit of a rare example in South Africa in that she only produces sparkling wines and that she restricts her fruit sourcing to one region. Commonly, MCCs in South Africa are labelled as wine of origin Western Cape, thus allowing the sourcing of fruit from all over the winelands over vintages. Melissa allows herself no such flexibility. We'll chat about how Genevieve got started and the evolution of the style so far. We also chat about her upcoming projects of a MCC Rosé and a re-release of an older vintage later in the year. I give you Melissa Nelson. With me today is Melissa Nelson or Melissa Genevieve Nelson uh, from Genevieve MCC. Hi, Melissa.
0: Hi, David. Nice to be chatting to you.
1: How are you? You well?
0: Good, good.
1: So Genevieve MCC, I've already alluded that uh, Genevieve is your middle name. When did the brand start? How did you, how did you, did you do Why making it, uh, at Varsity? What's your, what's your vibe?
0: Uh, totally, one 180 to that. Um, I, I was supposed to be a, a pilot when I when I finished school, and um, went up to Joburg and flew for a little bit at a with a small charter company, um, and then moved back down to Elgin and um, got into the wine industry from a, a marketing and sales point. Um, and after meeting my partner and he was a viticulturist at Beaumont and, um, and from there on, he moved to a, another winery and did the setup up there. Um, and by that time I'd really found a, a fondness for the wine industry. Um, but also had always had a, a huge love for bubbles. Cup, well, at, at that time when I was growing up, Kaplosik wasn't the, the, it was more sparkling wine, but that's, yeah, that's where the, the passion had already started at quite a young age.
1: And, um, <laughs> dare, dare I um, ask when, how young?
0: <laughs> well, no. A, a fondness in the in the idea of that bubbly was always um, a time for celebration. So, I see. Right. Uh, when for Christmas, for Christmas example, we... Weren't allowed to open prayers until granny had had her glass of, of bubbles in the morning. <laughs>
1: know, she, yeah, she was, she was quite a granny.
0: I know. She was quite a granny. I always think she thought she was related to the queen. But I, I'd say that with great love. But, so there was always a, a fondness of, and, and, and just general understanding that when you're having a, a bubble, that it's you're celebrating something. And then I think that's where I developed the, the passion for making it eventually and not going a wine route or you know that that route it was for me it was part of that enjoy enjoyment and and being part of a celebration that was also quite cool so we we started in 2007 we moved to another wine farm in River and Leon was was up to to set up the winery and they were planting vineyards and I I said oh why don't you make a a couple of sick and and his response was why don't you why don't you make it And and he said it's like making a cake you know you'll you'll have your own recipe and if I make it then you might you'll like it but you won't love it so why didn't you make it? and that put me into sort of a whirlwind of of oh okay let's let's think about this It was about a year and a half that I put a lot of research into the the idea we were very fortunate in that we'd moved to a the farm that we moved to on the Fundestel pass in Bot River, um, adjacent farm. They asked Leon to to look after their vineyards as well. That it was it's owned by, at that stage, it was owned by a couple in Joburg. And it, had, it has still Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc on it. Um, so for me, that was quite, that was the, the first little sign um, that there was Chardonnay on my doorstep and it was from Bot River. We'd been in Bot River then for about uh, five years. Um, so there was another passion that was growing and really enjoying the, the area and what was coming from the area just in quality of grapes as well. Yeah, that was 2000, I think the first 2007, I just got nervous and, and didn't pick the grapes because part of Kaplissiko, the grapes that you're using, they picked a little bit earlier. So the first 2007, I just got to, just didn't want to go into the pond. Um, and then 2008, I thought, no, like got to gotta go for it. Yeah, cold feet. Thank you, David. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Then, so, oh, oh, eight was the
1: first vintage.
0: Oh, eight was the first vintage. Um, how much fruit Russ did you Dauer pick? Was my mentor. We did a total of five thousand bottles, and it quite quite ironic. In the in the you know day, now that we're in COVID COVID times, um, my thought was always I said, you know, like, how much should I make? And he said, more than we can drink. So that was where <laughs> we, that's where the five thousand <laughs> bottles came from. That's a new normal, um, though, isn't yeah, it? No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was the 2008 was the first vintage. I, I went to, to Ross Gower, who, who became a mentor, and I said, Mm-hmm. This is my idea for the style of of, of cuvée that I want to make. Um, I was pretty passionate about sticking only to Chardonnay purely because that was my knowledge of uh, wasn't that great, um, and I wanted to rather perfect one one varietal than go and make a blend of, of other champagne cultivars. Yep. Um so yeah, so two thousand and eight was the first vintage.
1: Was that a MCC at that stage? Was it uh, met all the aging requirements, et cetera, et cetera? Or
0: yeah, it yeah. was yeah, we released it in the beginning of uh twenty ten. It had it had eighteen months on the lease. We need I needed money. So much as I wanted to leave it for a little longer. We we put it on the market in, in the beginning of 2010. So that did it was fortunately it was very very successful and and we we sort of we went into the 09 vintage which I did 5,000 bottles of as well. Uh, sure towards the towards the end of 2010 and sold through that quite quickly. And then by the time I got to the 2010 vintage, I would started to produce. I doubled up. But it also got to the stage where I realized that the the quality that I was making, I was releasing too soon and that I, I just wasn't giving the product the full value of, of what it could accomplish with longer time on lease. So okay. sort of withdrew from the market and, and for about eight months, which was maybe a little bit longer even, um, only supplied minimum place minimal places with the bubbles and, and just got back into a, a cycle that we could... Um, start longer aging on lease, which brings the, the present, the present vintages that we're going through now are anywhere between three years to four years on lease.
1: Yeah. Right. And obviously probably a very different wine than those first couple of vintages.
0: Yeah. So we've had a 2008, um, got maybe three bottles left and we hide them because we don't want to find them and drink them, but when we do find one, we, we contemplate and then we open it. The O8, I mean, is 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 amazing. It's just, I think also dealing with, with I've always been very fortunate with the, the, the pocket of Chardonnay that I get from it, it's great grapes. So that's, but yeah, it's interesting to see older couple of six and what, what, they're, what they're showing, which is, it's really, it's brilliant.
1: At the moment in the market, you've got um, 2015 Brut and the 2015 zero dosage. When did you start the zero dosage project?
0: The zero dosage came along with me wanting to start uh, playing around with with my with with Chardonnay and um, doing just adding to the brand. And uh, initially, I considered uh, doing some barrel mental uh, Chardonnay or playing around with that. And then I sort of thought to myself, that the, yeah, I've, I've got such amazing grapes. It's, it's more, it's, I think it's more testing and more a show of quality to rather show more of a naked product than, than something that there's nothing wrong with wood, but in this case, I just wanted to, to just show off the, the, the real uh, true expression of the vineyard. Yes. So in 2012, we started um, with that. We only did two thousand bottles of that, and each year I do do two thousand bottles, but it depends on the vintage what stand but can stand up without dosage. Two thousand and twelve was the first one and the, and the latest one is the two thousand and fifteen
1: so you make the decision uh, post primary ferment, and so when it comes to dosage time, do you make the decision then or what were...
0: you sort of know when you 're going into harvest what what you 're going to be getting? I think it 's also really great to be in a situation where we can be now that we we do it's just a bit more experimentation in the background um and, and just something for us for me to be more specific around around the chardonnay and around zero to so for me it's you know it's an added benefit to learning more to go along um for example 2020 it doesn't feel like a zero to vintage It the grapes came in beautifully i'm always part of the harvest in in the vineyard and it just there's this year the, the fruit lacked a little something so in my mind I think oh four years from now I, I don't think 2020 will be a zero but we'll, we'll see the development as it goes along
1: can you can you quantify that in terms of what is missing or what 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 it feels is is not there is it sort of acidity is it uh, fruit pack weight is it-,
0: it it's a bit it's a it's a bit of both. Um, the, the, the fruit this year for me was, was very light. The taste, fruit mm-hmm. taste um, was very light um, it, and it was quite interesting. I, I now buy from <clears throat> two pockets. The other one is, is Beaumont as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also old vineyards, beautiful, beautiful fruit. It was really interesting. Both both vineyards had that same characteristics of just something lacking. So you know, no fault to the grapes. It's just a, It's just that's what makes that's what makes vintages interesting. Um, it's it doesn't take away from the quality of the wine. It just brings you know you get, you're gonna get something else from this vintage.
1: Uh, it's just the character of the year that is 2020.
0: Yeah, yeah. For me, for me, that's what, what's come across for me. Just just from the beginning. Now, yeah, the
1: 2012s, um, the brute and the zero-dosage were aged on for a different amount of time. So you, you disgorged the zero-dosage later. But 2015 seemed to be much closer, if not exactly at the same time. Is that the, the plan going forward, or will you make a case case-on-case basis given the wines?
0: Sorry, David, I didn't understand. You said the so. zero so, sorry will always be
1: later. No, well, the zero dosage in 2012 was on leaves for longer than the brute oh, of 2012, oh, okay. whereas the 15 okay. seemed to be on leaves for the same amount of time as the 2015 uh, brute. So I just wanted to, see, cool. I got it. wanted to see if that was a change in philosophy or was it just only on those wines and you'll just assess as the wines come up.
0: I think it's a it's a change in philosophy. What I what I found with the twenty twelve, uh, I I didn't give it cork uh, aging time, and and that really made a big difference. Um, so when I when it came to the decision of when to release the the zero fifteen, um, I left it on the on the cork for eight months before releasing it, and that and just right. that just brought it more together. And I think I think with the zero dosage, in my experience now, is that. That really is quite important as well, As cork aging. It just brings the whole picture together and, and you've, got, you know, you've got the, the ready to market taste instead of releasing something to market that I might be really excited about, but knowing that you should rather have the patience and, and release it when it's market ready.
1: Yeah, okay, so it's a, it's a little bit more evolved and a little bit more down in the path of its, of its, uh, of its development. And the future of, of Genevieve? There's been rumors and uh, a few photos on Instagram about maybe a rosé in the future.
0: Yeah, 2017, I've always been making my wine in, in other people's cellars and will probably continue to do so for quite a while. But had always wanted a home for the Genevieve brand to create a tasting room to to get people to know the brand better from it, from a space of w- or how we live it. Not you know just uh, We are a farming community. It's my passion, living in the Overberg. So it was quite important for me to find a home for the brand. Um, And in 2017, we we bought a farm in in Batrava. And ironically, the only grapes that were on the farm was Shiraz and and Sauvignon Blanc. So what we've done is we've grafted over the the Sauvignon Blanc to Chardonnay. And the Shiraz Batrava is is quite renowned for its Shiraz. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: And it was one of those moments where you want to hit yourself and say, never say never. I was one of those that said I would only use champagne varietals, but I had a, a really good chat to John Loebscher from Silverthorne, and and he sort of had the same predicament. had a farm that came with with Shiraz, and thought to thought to himself, "Well, huh, and and started making a Shiraz bubbles a uh, couple of thick. So, I've, so yeah, so I've, I've taken I love rose Shiraz rosé. Um, it's taken a couple of years to. To get the vineyards back in shape, but in the meantime, we've made some still rosé, just to test the vineyards and see, get to know the vineyards of you know how we can push, belling and and what what flavors you're getting at certain belling's and certain times. 2019 was the first year we made um, uh, the rosé classic. It's yeah, it's it's bottled and it's aging and it's I'm um, I'm really excited about it, um, and I think it's it's a it's a nice expansion to the brand. It's it's quite playful. And, um, I seem to have been going more and more serious with the, with the aging and the zero dosage, and, and so I'm quite excited to bring something out to the market. That's, that's quite playful with, you know, there's lots of work done in the background to, to, for quality and seriousness, but it's, yeah, I, I always, rosés for me is always more of a, a playful, playful one.
1: And do you have sort of a style in mind for your, for your bubbles? I mean, the, the Brut, the Desert Ossage and now the Rosé. I mean, do you have any sort of um, touchstones in terms of maybe MC, other MCC producers in South Africa or, or Champagne Houses or other sparkling wines from around the world that you use as a sort of a, a guiding light or is it, do you just sort of beat your own path?
0: Um, initially, initially I, I did look at champagne brands that I really enjoyed. Paul Roger's is, is one. I mean, that's a big one to take to you know to simulate but it, it's just I really for me the big the biggest thing that's always that I always try and achieve is is um is mouthfeel in the mouth that if you if you're going to drink a, a champagne or a cup of sick that fills up your mouth and 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 um in one in one sip you're going to tire of it quite quickly and and for me that was the big thing if I'm if I'm only making one one product i've got to make sure that i'm going to enjoy probably the whole bottle and in just instead of just a glass and for me it's really important to get to get that elegance of in the mouth feel that that it makes it more it's moreish and not overpowering initially that there's there's definite certain elegance that comes with the bubbles so that that's been my the biggest thing for me is is to create a product that you don't tire of after a glass
1: and what does that actually mean in terms of your choices you make with harvest or um, aging and and disgorgement and, and, and dosage? What does that how does that manifest itself in the decisions you make? I don't think anyone goes out to make a wine that's boring or that tires after a glass, but I mean, what does that actually how do you actually ah. m- make that happen, if you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean well, speci- specifically talking with Capta Sick, you know, you'll have a a glass of bubbles at a wedding and and you'll only have a glass and and, and there's moments for a full powered or full-bodied bubbles i mean if, you, if you're doing a celebration at a wedding that you want that one glass to to make a beautiful impact um so i'm not disagreeing with those styles i love mm. those styles as well but for me that's that's my preference so that's that's what i mean but um from the, the style from starting from the vineyard we i've always once i got to know the vineyards the chardonnay vineyards i started picking a little bit later and that for me just gave still maintaining nice acidity but also just getting a little bit more fruit characteristics that are coming from the grapes already from from straight from the grapes from the initial stock um and that i think has has made quite a an impact on the on the wine itself because you you're dealing with a a bigger flavour, perhaps, or a, um, there's a, there's quite a few more elements of flavour that come into the, the base wine already. But because of that, you <laughs> you're needing to to age for a little longer to let all of those flavours come together really well um, and to create more of a secondary flavour while still getting the elegance. So. The, those for me have has been has been the the changes that I've made. I suppose well, I made those changes quite soon in in the in the game, but started picking a little bit later in the vineyard um, at about nineteen nineteen point five, and then and then aging um, aging just just brings an extension in the in the wine that for me um, I find. It's also, it's, a, it's, an, it's an elegant extension that's, that's coming. You're not dealing with over-powerful flavours or something. It's just that it really comes in just by ageing. And, and that's something that is the style that I like.
1: You're one of the few bubbles producers that doesn't have WO Western Cape on their label. Quite specific, as you said, you've only got, uh, you've only increased to two vineyards now um, in the last, in the, in the, in the 2015 vintage. Is that quite important to you to have the fruit from a particular region? Or in the future will you be happy to expand out and get fruit from different regions?
0: Uh, I've looked at fruit from other regions and I've I've gone you know in, in harvests and, and gone to go taste the grapes. It's interesting. It's like when you <laughs> when you get used to something, it's, it's just you, you know, that's what you fall back on. That's that the that, that base that I, I've been falling back on every time. So yep. I, I've gone to Elgin, I've I've tasted grapes there. I've tasted quite a few vineyards that I've gone in and tasted, tasted, tasted. And I really like what I get here. I think temperature, climate wise, we're dealing, we get such, such um, really eloquent flavors from the grapes. There's the, the acidity is, is naturally there because you, you know, you're picking it earlier, but it's, um, there's a lot of, I find there's, for me, it, it's, there's a lot more gentleness that comes in with the of River grapes. Himmel and other, I, I think, has similar characteristics. I always find the, the grapes and that's just, again, it's my own opinion. Mm. Um, and it just makes it easier for me to work with, with my style. Um, but the grapes from Bartraver, I just, yeah, I think it, it just, that suits my style. And, and so I, I would, yeah, hope to, to carry on getting grapes from Bartraeva. I've been fortunate enough to, so that changed. I would have to have to relook the situation, but we yeah. still have some Chardonnay eventually here as well. So hopefully we'll. And what, the
1: what, what what climate advantages do you have in the uh, in the Botryver, sort of an overberg area I mean you mentioned that as a, as a as a positive what climactic conditions are you referring to
0: I find I find Botryver climate is, is is really quite mild I mean we have we have good winters compared to Elgin for example um, it's not as cold as Elgin summers are, are quite moderate we have a bit of a maritime influence just be as the crow flies we are seven kilometers from the the sea and so that that does have a it has its benefit summer we get I mean it's it's not we, we don't love it all the time but it's it's windy in in summer that's a huge benefit on the on the vineyards I mean we had this year we had in January we had that 75 mils of of rain and, and people were really quite concerned about arthritis coming around we were very fortunate because the wind was here and that and that sort of staved off things quite a bit so so I think it's for me that the moderate climate does it does have an impact. Rainfall, it sort of falls into like perfect in each category. Again, for Chardonnay, for me, you know, if I was wanting to make a Sauvignon Blanc, then uh, this perhaps would not be the area for me. Yeah, okay. Um, but specifically for my brand.
1: What else is happening at Genevieve? Uh,
0: maybe just one, one thing to mention is that we will be releasing... Sometime later in this year, an uh, old vintage release of the 2009. Oh, wow. We kept some of that back for, for the purpose of just, again, experimentation. And we've got 500 bottles that we've left to, to edge. It was five years on the lease and six years on cork. And we wow. recently retested and rethought about it. So, so that, that'll be nice. Um, They'll be available from the farm. It's, it's more specialist. Okay, you know it's a specialist thing, but it's it's just nice yeah. to to dream about that as well.
1: No, very cool. That's going to be very very cool. I'm uh, looking forward to trying one of those. You will. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, how is the farm coming along?
0: Farm's coming along well. We're um, as I mentioned, the the vineyards were the number one priority when we moved here. They they needed quite a bit of care, and attention, and it's been great to to see our. Yeah, that, with a little bit of love and attention, um, water, nice manure, pig's manure, good pruning methods. We've, we've really been able to bring the vineyards back to the original um, idea for them, I suppose. And, and so that's been great. So the production and the yields are, are coming in nicely. Otherwise, on the farm, the tasting room is, is, um, has, was renovated last year. So that's, that's quite an exciting time that we'll be able to welcome people to the farm stage and then we've, we've got the cottages that are that are yeah they're filling up nicely and they they it's lovely to have people on the farm especially from the city that just come and enjoy the open space um and help themselves with the veggie patch and um yeah so it's we're, we're all steaming along nicely
1: awesome awesome it's a beautiful spot and i uh i recommend everyone go down there and visit cool well yeah, I think that's pretty much it. It's a short and short and sweet. Nothing too um too long or, or arduous. Thank you, Melissa. I appreciate uh, your time. Thanks, today. Cool man. Well stay safe.
0: Same there.